Welcome. My name is Carl Shellstrom, and in this episode, we're going to be looking at annual bonus plans. And like with all other episodes in this series of getting executive conversation, we're going to just provide a very high-level overview, followed by some pointers as to what you may want to think about, consider when you are evaluating an annual bonus plan. So the annual bonus is a short-term incentive plan, and we talked about what the short-term incentive plans are in a separate episode. But the annual bonus is the one we use most for executives. We tend to design it so that there's a balance between corporate business unit and personal targets and performance. And in particular, we want to achieve incentives where there is a direct line of sight we sometimes call it the individual has impact on the outcomes of whatever it is that we are measuring we then in the bonus have to define what are the what are the limits around which we're going to be designing this so we need to say whether we're going to have a cap on how much you can earn whether we're going to defer part of it or whether we're going to have a clawback clause that allows the company to take back any amount that it feels has been wrongly paid out, maybe because the financial accounts were misstated or because the individual did something that is later found out wasn't appropriate and and in line with with the pay policy and, and the ethics of the company. What's then also important is how we position the annual bonus within the total compensation framework. So the position within the total compensation is important because we need to understand how the annual bonus fits into the the totality, how this variable pay element sits with the base salary, so how how much is the annual cash that an individual will receive impacted by variable pay? How much is the total, which would include the long-term incentives and benefits and perquisites like pensions and insurances and life assurance and uh, maybe car benefits, healthcare benefits and so on? How does it all fit together and how does it all support each other or and does it become dominant and does it influence possibly the behavior that we want to influence but does it influence it in the right direction so these targets of the performance targets we need to say so what is the performance that that you you the participant needs to achieve well at the beginning companies tend to set discretionary evaluations around this where the organization works on that the manager evaluates the the direct report and uh, just sets what the bonus is for that individual within a certain framework and maybe with certain guidance from the board or from from a corporate policy Uh, I, i remember one of my first jobs i i got a bonus and it was a communicate to me and I had no idea whether I'd done well or, or not uh, and it, I, I had to challenge around it in, in order to find out and it's turned out I'd, I had done well 
and have been rewarded for it, but I d- didn't know. So the effect from the incentive was very, very weak. Discretionary valuations can be more accurate in many ways because the manager has a daily view of how the individual performs, but is also something that poses a bit of a threat to the trust between manager and employee, and also puts a lot of risk into the incentive system uh, and indeed into the whole company because you may create a disincentive effectively to challenge, to report bad news, to bring up things that might make you less popular with your manager, uh, even if it is in the interest of the organization. So most companies have moved from discretionary to more formulaic a performance target setting. I haven't altogether abandoned the discretionary part because discretion can be extremely effective. When there is a good trust situation between, say, the board and the management or between a manager and an employee, discretionary evaluation can be extremely reinforcing of the message. But if we're looking at the formulaic side... Here we tend to either do binary, uh, which is did you or did you not? So did you set up a new office in Singapore? Did you introduce uh, the new product into the market or not? And so it's a yes or no answer and pay is yes or no uh, to, to according to the achievements. Or we can have, which we discussed before, scales where it goes from a threshold level below which we do not pay to a, an expected level of performance where we pay a certain amount to a maximum level of performance or rather a maximum level of payment because above that level of performance we do not increase the incentive payment. How we then put these scales or targets together, whether binary scales or discretionary, can be in an additional Way. So an adding way, we, we add the different targets together and it gives us the answer to how much of the incentive opportunity we're going to pay out. So if we have four targets, say one is profitability, one is revenues, one is uh, carbon footprint and one is employee engagement, then the first may have been outperformed, the second may have been underperformed, the third have been, may have been a target and the the fourth one has been uh, well uh, well done in between the expected and and the maximum levels and overall maybe we land at 60% of the total opportunity when we add these four together other systems will use a multiplying effect or a threshold effect so the threshold will be we will only pay those 60% if the profitability of the organization is higher than last year. For example, the multiplier will take another factor such as if those four targets we had first were the divisional targets, but we have a corporate profitability multiplier. So if we are below the budgeted level, we may multiply all outcomes by, say, 75%. Uh, That means we pay less in a year when we have lower profitability. We may then increase it to 1.5 when we're well above a certain level. And that gives higher bonus levels then. 
this allows the organization to sort of bring in more targets together, but it adds complexity. That and the number of targets, and we have to be very careful with the number of targets we use, because um, every target added, every target multiplied or adjusted or packaged together adds complexity both for the participant who needs to understand it and for the board and the, the company and investors who need to evaluate it. And this can be extremely complicated. I once worked with a, an organization who, who, who worked with some very dangerous things, a high, high engineering uh, organization, and um, they had 52 targets in the annual bonus. But none of them had anything to do with one thing that everybody was afraid of, which was an accident. The annual bonus is not meant to be a job description. The annual bonus is meant to reflect, again, what is the signaling that the, the organization wants to achieve. Basically, what's the message around the actions and behaviors that are most important from bringing this organization forward in this year. And uh, that, can, that can very much, very much vary from company to company. But as a general rule, the fewer the better if we can get away with it and it's clear enough and our signal is clear enough and we don't contradict ourselves through the design. And linked to that is a third aspect of where one needs to look out a bit when you're implementing or designing annual bonus plans. And there's so many aspects here, but we're just touching on a few. And But this one I wanted to bring up is links to performance management. If the organization has a performance management system that is not developed far enough and if it hasn't instilled a culture or a way of thinking around performance that allows for an incentive to come in and uh, interfere with that um, performance management system then one needs to be very careful in hooking the one to the other. So the reason for this is that the incentive will drive behaviors not only from individuals but also from managers and if you think that it's going to be extremely negatively understood and perceived because it hits the wallet as well as the as the pride of the individual then it might be harder to give difficult messages that are important in the performance management process we tend to then see that people will will move towards an average and we will see very little very little differentiation between them and if we therefore decouple the performance management system from the incentive system we may be able to 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 work on both angles to to get a, a better better signal around what the organization thinks and believes around how the individual has performed. So then let us just think about what are the things that we should perhaps look out for when we're evaluating annual bonus plans. Well, the first one is, just to pick up on this last point, is it right for the company? And does it support the story that we are putting out there to our investors and other stakeholders and indeed to the participants within the company and the, the what's right is not equal to what everyone else has it is interesting what other companies do well when it comes to incentive plans is rarely the case that you need to have one because everyone else has one 
you should have an annual incentive or a long-term incentive or whatever incentive plan that is you're considering because it's right for you and your organization. This hocks back to a model that HK Brin and I have been using in a number of our articles, and I'll put some links into this below. But essentially, just consider that the, the, when we look at strategy, that tends to be influenced by the ownership, the purpose, and the organization and its culture that has grown up uh, out of them. But they also impact directly the risk appetite of the organization and the actions and behaviors that, that are both wanted and acceptable in the organization. Which means that when we're looking at performance, it's not just the strategy we need to, to uh, look at, but also the risk, the actions and the behaviors that has been there to frame and deliver the strategy. And that is where we need to focus our attention when we are trying to find out whether the annual bonus plan or any other remuneration element is right for the company and supports a story. The second thing uh, linked to that is the impact on risk. So is the uh, annual bonus encouraging a, a level of risk-taking that is out of whack with the with the um, risk appetite of the company. And that risk-taking needs to be considered. So are we signaling to the individual that more risks should be taken and the wrong risks should be taken if we are, for example, paying too much? We're setting targets in such a way that the only way you can outperform is by jeopardizing shareholder value. And is that appropriate? I mean, maybe. I mean, there's no way we can, we can conduct business without accepting risk. And of course, we want our executives to go out and take risks. But we don't want it to be unacceptable. We want it to be all within our risk appetite. And the third thing when we're looking at the annual bonus is to consider the quality of performance. And I think this is the most important aspect of annual bonus evaluation. Do we only pay for and thereby signal to the participants a certain outcome? Or do we also reward the quality of that outcome? So most classic here would be profitability. If we simply reward profitability, we may not be rewarding long-term performance, but we may be rewarding the executives running down the company in order to get short-term results. So the quality of profits, the sustainability, the longevity, that we will be getting these profits again and be able to improve on them in the future, that is the sort of thing that needs to be considered when we're looking at how well the annual bonus reflects what it is we want executives to hear the board and the shareholders say that this is how we want you to take our company forward. I hope you found this helpful and interesting. I hope you now feel that the subject of annual bonuses is a little bit clearer. Also hope that you'll join me in other episodes of Getting Executive Conversation.
My name is Carl Schostrom, and thank you for listening.